Warning, this podcast may contain graphic and triggering content. Please listen at your own risk. Each individual struggle is different and everyone's recovery and healing journey is different. Please reach out to a certified medical professional if you need help. Welcome to episode 37 of Stomp the Stigma, the podcast aimed to fight the stigma surrounding mental health through education, awareness, experiences, stories, resources, and the vulnerable truth. Joining me to stomp the stigma once again is JD from CJ92. You can catch him on air every Monday to Friday from 5 to 10 a.m. If you didn't hear part one of JD's story, you can go back and listen to episode 36. But today we dive a little bit further into his experiences and his journey so far. In today's episode, we get into a little bit of his story around never officially being diagnosed, having to try different meds, learning what works for him and what doesn't in terms of coping mechanisms, and the low point when he knew something had to change. We get into a bunch of the different coping mechanisms that have helped him over the years and how those have changed along with him through this journey. We also discovered that we have the same tattoo, which if you haven't heard of a semicolon project, you will learn a little bit about that in this episode. We get into the effects that COVID had on his mental health and a little bit of the stigmas that bother him the most. So I hope you guys love this episode. Enjoy. Yeah, I want to go back to kind of being diagnosed or... Did it take you a long time to get diagnosed with, say, anxiety or depression? Or, or were you ever diagnosed? Like, how did that happen oh, for you? Never. Never officially. No. No. Maybe I should have been. Maybe I should, still should be. I don't know. No. It, I did go to a doctor, and I, and I, and I did ride the antidepressant wave um, mm-hmm. and some anxiety meds for a while. Um, so I guess I, I kind of got the label, but I don't know that I ever, like, stuck around long enough. Um, you know, to, to get like an official, like you are this. Um, and I think that that is a little bit fluid, like, you know, your, your afflictions like that, like any, you know, ailment of the body, the brain's not exempt. Um, you know, it can like change over time. So I never got an actual diagnosis. No. Um, I tried antidepressants, uh, obviously to deal with some depression, hence the term antidepressant, but it just like, it never, it never worked for me. It, I felt like it zapped and it muted the best parts to me. It, it made me incapable of, of being me. Like, yes, did it make me not want to kill myself? Sure. But it also didn't like, it made food taste shitty. You know, it made me not want to be around like the best people, the people that loved me the hardest. I didn't want to be around them. Um, it just, it just muted me. And I was like, well, that's, that's actually, unfortunately not going to, not going to work for me. Just, you know, not only with the way I want to live my life, but with what I do for a living, mm-hmm. it just, that, that wasn't gonna, gonna work. The other, like, kind of like, I shouldn't even say embarrassing cause I, sh- I shouldn't be embarrassed about it. But the other problem for me, um, with pills, unfortunately of any kind was I was just prone to abusing them. If, if you gave me, um, a big container of pills, there was a very good possibility I was going to take way more than I should um for no good reason and uh just kind of see what would happen and i learned very quickly i was like i I don't i don't even know that i can have this stuff around like it's it's too powerful um and i know what what could or potentially would happen so 
for me, it was weird. It, you know, it kind of led to like having to self-diagnose a little bit and, yeah. and take repeated like hard looks in the mirror and just constantly be taking inventory of, of where your brain's at. And to be honest, like it's a little bit of guesswork, um, you know, just kind of figuring out like, you know, what it is exactly you're dealing with. And, and labels are only so are only so good, to be honest. Like it's, yeah. it's nice to be able to call it something and you can take some of the power back in labeling something. But at the same time, I, I, I'd say I'm more prone to just having like an acute understanding of what works for my head and what doesn't. And I think over time, it took a long ass time and I still don't think I totally have it figured out. You know, I, I know what works for me and I know what doesn't. I know the best things for me and I know the worst things for me. And you're just trying to find, you know, somewhere where the Venn diagram can kind of cross a little bit and you, and you can live a, a relatively normal, peaceful, enjoyable existence. Yeah. So since you were never um, officially diagnosed, was there like a low point or a turning point when you kind of realized, okay, something's wrong or I need help or like something needs to change and I'm not going to let my illnesses kind of define like who I am? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I don't tell this story very often, but I, I kind of like fully lost the plot at my first, uh, my first radio job when I was working in Drumheller. I just, I just didn't have a real good grasp on, on anything at the time. I, and I would have called myself probably my most mentally ill at that time. And it got so bad. I was slipping on, on a professional front that I, I was basically, you know, told or asked to, to leave the job, which, um, you know, radio is a, a weird way to make a living. And it's also a very small, narrow field. So once your foot's in the door, you want to keep it there, obviously. And, and getting fired never looks good on a resume, um, especially in a narrow industry, especially when it's your first job, especially when you're not a year, even a year deep into it. Um, and you're in a small town, like if you couldn't do it in Drumheller, nobody, nobody's going to take a flyer on you anywhere else, especially if it ended unceremoniously. Yeah. Um, and I lost that job and it was a real like tail between my legs kind of moment and, a, and a, a pretty hard gut check to have to take and make, you know, to just kind of have to have a conversation with yourself. Like how we get here, you know, like, why are we here? What, what led us here? What, what needs to change so that not only does this not happen again, but so this doesn't get worse because yeah. it seems like we've kind of fully lost the plot at this point. So that was, yeah, that was a, that was a real hard, like, like look in the mirror for sure. And I would, and to be honest, like, I, I mean, it got better for sure. Um, but a good chunk of my twenties were, were defined by, by binge drinking and, and substance abuse, mm -hmm. which I'm not crazy proud of, but it's a part of my story. And I would say, uh, you know, that whole like roughly 10, 10 ish year period is, is just, I lost a lot of time and uh, I can't account for a lot of it. Yeah. And it was, I came out of it and, and kind of managed to shake myself sober for a little bit and went, I, I don't know how I did that for that long. And uh, I'm glad I found a way to, to slow it down and, and, you know, just to kind of get my hands back on the wheel because I, you know, I kind of shuddered to think at, at what it could have ended up, ended up looking like. Wow. Well, I am so happy to hear that you were doing so much better. Thank you. That's amazing. What coping mechanisms have helped you like through those hard days? I know that's different for everyone as well, but like from then until now, like what has helped you and has that changed over the years as you yourself have changed? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I feel like it's always, always changing or you're just, I, I overuse the toolbox analogy, but you're just adding tools to the toolbox. You know, mm -hmm. one of the, one of the first big things for me was just regulating, um, substances and just like learning to control my intake. Um, it was just, it had become so quickly, like 
drugs and alcohol had become this like huge coping mechanism for me where, where I didn't realize what an addictive personality I had. And I didn't realize how much I was numbing the day-to-day experience um, with drugs and alcohol. And I think I had told myself like, well, I mean, you're not swallowing way too many pills that were prescribed by a doctor. So it's not that bad anymore. But I was also getting shit faced six days a week. Um, which was every bit as much of a coping mechanism, if not, you know, a more egregious one and, and one that, you know, could and, and did do, do a lot more damage. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it started with that, with just having like a hard look at, at sobriety or a version of sobriety. I would never claim to be sober. I'm not. Um, but it started, you know, redefining sober a little bit and, and looking at, at just what I was putting into my body and, and, and what I was using to numb some of the, some of the darkest shit. And, uh, then I think that kind of morphed into, into physical fitness and wellness and just, and just trying to take better care of myself. Um, and I started, I started going to boxing was actually kind of my first foray into that. I was one of those people that always had, um, a gym membership, but used it like twice a month. So like even, even a good life membership at like 10 bucks a month, wasn't much of a bargain for me. Like good life was getting their money's worth out of me because I was barely showing up. And then uh, I found boxing and that was, you know, not only a great way to knock some pounds off, but it was just rage therapy sounds so douchey, but it's, I mean, it's, it's a real thing. Like beating the shit out of the heavy bag is like a, a really good thing, not only for you physically, but for you mentally. Um, I actually, when, when gyms closed during the pandemic, um, I bought a heavy bag and moved it in here. I've since sold it because I mean, gyms are open again, but, and having a heavy bag in an apartment, like your neighbors hate you. <laughs> Like if that's what happens when you buy a heavy bag, like everyone in the building can't stand your existence. Um, but yeah, I wanted to have one here because it's just, it's such a great outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just having the ability to attack a bag like that and, and, and unload a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that, that just, you know, kind of morphed into, you know, went from physical fitness to then just starting to watch what I ate weirdly, yeah. you know, like that, that plays a role too. I started taking just better care of my body plugged in meditation and yoga and you know uh, in addition to all of those things I, I partnered all of it with just trying to have the best support system possible because I'm just I'm, I'm I'm better by committee you know and there's no shame in needing to lean on people and just mm-hmm. having having you know great people surround you um, in life it, it kind of does take a village um, to keep a, a mentally unstable person around, it takes a village. That's not an expression, but it should be uh, because I'm only here because I got good people around me. That's the reality of it. And I'm not, I'm not naive yeah. to it. Um, very blessed to just, just have good people who have supported the hell out of me, even when I have been rather unlovable. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. Having that support system and people that you can lean on is huge. That's huge. Uh, a boxing for me actually is a big one too. I uh, I do right. boxing and Muay Thai myself, and just yeah, something about beating the crap out of a heavy bag is oh, that's the best. Yeah, if if, you, if like for anybody who's never done it, do it, and then you'll get it. Like even, even, honestly, even if you're not, even if you're just a, a normal ass person who doesn't deal with with a whole lot of mental health struggles, like you'd be amazed that just like how much better you can feel after yeah. 45 minutes of beating up a heavy bag. Yeah. Oh, the stress relief alone yeah. is, yeah. That's yeah. a real thing. <laughs> I've seen you post on social media gratitude posts sometimes, um, and yeah. I love this idea. I do the same thing when I journal. Um, 
I try and do kind of a little gratitude thing. Um, and I find that that helps me a lot as well. But for anyone that's listening, can you kind of explain like what that is or what that does for you or how that helps you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weirdly like, I mean, it's a bit of a mindfulness trick, you know, back mm-hmm. to that. It's like, if you're naturally bad at being mindful, um, having to write in a gratitude journal daily or weekly or however often you want to do it. Um, it just, it just takes you to a good place and it forces you to be in a good space for even like the shortest amount of time. Even if you're just quickly writing down two sentences about a great mm-hmm. thing that happened to you that day. You know, those the, in the time it takes you to write those two sentences and read it back, like you, you just spent a minute not hating the whole thing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that, I mean, that can be the difference maker in a bad day, you know, for those of us that, that have it bad, right? Like it's, it's just, it's forced positivity, even, even on the day. And if you, if you force yourself to make it a daily habit, um, then it has to show up on your worst days too, right? So it has a weird way of like, just, just cutting through the shittiest of days. Um, just, just taking a moment to go like, yeah, but that was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I started just, I, I had to physically carry a journal for a while. Cause I just, I wouldn't remember to do it. So it was like, it was in my backpack. It was in my car. I took it on vacation to Europe. It, it just like, it literally went everywhere with me. And it was just, I kind of had to like learn to train my brain that anytime, you know, something, something good would happen. You would just go, that was a good thing. I'm going to write that down really quick. Cause I'm keeping a big old list of good things, you know, and that over time, it not only becomes more natural um, to be writing that down, but your brain learns to just start noticing more of the, of the good shit, you know, and it, and it keeps you in a better place overall. You're more inclined to see the sunshine than you are the clouds, which might sound a little bit gypsy and a little bit hippie, but it like, it works. I, I can't argue with, with the results. I can't. Yeah. Oh, I love that idea. On the podcast Instagram page, I do win Wednesday. And so we celebrate the wins, whether it's a win for the day or the week, something big or small. Um, I think that's huge. That's, yeah, I love that. I love that. It's so good. It, you know, I started, the, it was it was my therapist actually who, who got me on it initially, if I remember correctly. But one of the interesting things about, you know, having different like stints in therapy, um, I don't know what your therapy journey has been like, but mine's been like on and off because that's, as I understand it, the way it's supposed to work. You know, you talk to a therapist until things get better. Yeah. They cut you loose for a little bit. And then when things get shitty, you call them up again. Um, and my, my therapist has been like so great in, in not only teaching me to be grateful, but also like, you know, sometimes I would show up to therapy appointments and I'd be like, this actually wasn't that terrible of a week. I don't actually have a lot to complain about. And she'd tell me like, we can just talk about the good stuff too. Like that's actually meant to be how this works. It's not just you unloading your bad stuff on me and me telling you how to navigate your way through it and and find the sunlight again. She's like, we can also just like celebrate the W's, you know, you can, you can tell me how, how in love you are, you know? And and I do, I mean, she's probably sick of hearing about my girlfriend because I talk about how killer she is all the time, but you know, she's like, we can, we can talk about how in love you are. We can talk about how work's going. If you feel like that's a really great thing, you can tell me how good it felt to beat the shit out of a heavy bag. You know, we can do that too, because that's just as good for your brain yeah. as unpacking a big box of problems. Yeah. Oh, that's I love such Win a Wednesday. Good I love Win Wednesday. That's so good. That's so good. That is such a good point. I think just being able to express whatever you're feeling, good or bad, and getting it out there, oh, that's huge. That helps so much. Like training your brain, right? Mm-hmm. It's like rewiring your brain, especially if you have one of those brains that 
tends to lean a little bit dark. It's reminding your brain and, you know, starting to rewire that whole process to go like, yeah, it's not all bad. Like let's, let's, let's notice the good stuff too, because it's out there and, and you know, the days where you're making note of the good stuff seem to be better ones. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just noticed your, uh, semicolon tattoo on your finger. I have one. Oh, I don't know if I can turn that far on my wrist. I don't know if you can see that. I like that. How long have you had yours? Um, five years. Yeah, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I know what it means, but for people that are listening, uh, I don't know. Do you want to explain kind of what sure. that means to you? Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't remember exactly where I came across it, but at some point, you know, I just kind of became aware of the of this. I think it's called the semicolon movement. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. Um, the whole idea is like, you know, in, in literature, mm-hmm. in writing, um, a semicolon is meant to, you know, signify when a, an author could have stopped, but chose to keep going. And I think, it, honestly, like, I think it's, it's kind of an extension of Win Wednesday a little bit. You know, it's, the, yeah. it's celebrating the fact that like, yeah, you hit a low point, um, a point where you really considered stopping. Uh, maybe a series of low points, maybe like, you know, thinking about giving up has been like a recurrent theme in your life, regardless of what it might be, if it was one moment or if it's one moment, literally every day. The cool thing about the semicolon is like, it's a reminder that, but you kept going. And that in and of itself is a W, you know, that, that like you, you yeah. beat the thing for another day. Um, and I think it's, it's a great reminder of that when, when you start to realize that, um, some of these, some of these afflictions, depression, anxiety, suicidal thought, whatever it might be like, like they're chronic conditions, like back to not being able to shake it and, and realizing there's some, some power and some freedom in noting that it's never going to be fully over, you know, like weirdly you can, you can get a tattoo and remind yourself like, yeah, it's never over, but I'm never quitting. Like come at me, you know, I, I beat you before and I'll beat you again. And, and, and I got a tattoo to prove it. So. I don't know if you've noticed this. The cool thing about the semicolon thing isn't just that it's a, it's a daily reminder um, for you. Um, and that like, I put mine in a really visible spot. I was like, well, I, I'm going to see my knuckle all the time. So um, you not only see it all the time, but then you either see it on other people or even better, somebody sees it on you. And it's almost like this, it's like this secret society of yeah. people who, you know, have gone through some shit. Like they've seen some shit, but um, you know, they're still here. It, it'll happen like at the most random places. Like it happened at Sobeys a few months ago. I was like, yeah. you know, you know, like when you load your stuff up on the conveyor belt or whatever, and they're scanning it all through. And I was like scratching my face or something like that. And the girl at the till was like, a semicolon. And I go, yeah, you got one. And she showed me it was like on her neck or something like that. And um, it was so cool because in that moment, I not only felt that affinity with somebody, it was also like this moment of, of gratitude where you're like, there's another one, yeah. you and me, like we're both still going. Um, and, and and good on you and good on me. Like yeah. we're still here, even though at times it, it it's felt like the deck is stacked against us. There's this like instant, I don't know, connection, respect, kind of appreciation for this person. Um, it is like a secret society. Yeah. 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 It's like the skulls. Remember the skulls? Yeah. That's, that's a really obscure late nineties movie reference. So <laughs> uh, I'd forgive you if you didn't get it, but it's, it, it's the closest I've ever felt to being a skull. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As a radio personality, you're kind of part of your job is being kind of upbeat and on all the time. And I know, well, for me, anyways, with the depression, some days you just wake up and you 
are not in that happy place, you're not in that kind of upbeat mood, is it, does that happen to you? Or is it difficult to be kind of that on version of yourself some days? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's weird because, um, to, I, I don't bring it up a lot and I don't, and I don't ever, I, I try not to complain about it because, because I think it would be a hard thing for, for someone to understand, um, if yeah. they, if they don't deal with either. Right. So I don't, I don't, I don't bring it up a ton because if, if you're not like chronically sad, um, or if you don't work in radio and have to wake people up for a living, it's like, well, <laughs> you're not really going to get it. But, um, if you deal with either, you're going to kind of get it here for a second. It's yeah. like, you know, it's knowing every single morning at five o'clock in the morning of all times, God damn it, that the ass crack of dawn, um, you have to be a ray of sunshine. Um, and, and to be honest, I struggle with that because, because a lot of times like I need cheering up, but it's, yeah. it, but it's my job to cheer people up. And so at first I, I, there was like a real woe is me to that. I actually used to kind of just feel bad for myself. I was like, well, maybe stop looking at it that way and change your perspective on it and realize it's a great opportunity to not only like, you know, it's an extra challenge. Sure. on like my darkest, shittiest days for sure. Like on the days when, when I can't make myself smile, like it's, it's hard to think about stuff that will make other people smile, mm-hmm. but it's also like a great opportunity, you know, not only for myself to kind of, you know, force my way out of, uh, out of that enclosure, but I also always just try to think like, well, there's a lot of us out there, you know, back to back to the semicolon thing. Cause you see a lot of them out there. There's, there's a lot of, you know, sad people, um, to varying extents, but I just, I think like, well, there's probably people that, that listen to my radio show that feel that way. So I got to show up for them, yeah. you know, uh, because like I would want to be shown up for it. And I, and I appreciate the shit out of it when people do show up for me. Yeah. So if, if what I do for a living, um, you know, is gonna, is gonna brighten someone else's day or, or, or like, I don't know if it's going to get them through the whole thing, but you know, if, if I can just bring it for, for that guy or girl, uh, on any, any given morning, like I know I would appreciate show, someone showing up like that for me. Yeah. So I, I try to look at it that way and try to kind of remove myself from the equation a little bit and also just keep a, a pretty killer support network for it. That's the other like bit of the secret sauce is just having people you can lean on, um, in mornings like those. Um, I'm, I'm real blessed to, to have a coworker like Jesse who, who gets it. You know, not naturally. I think Jesse would probably be the first to tell you, like, he doesn't, he doesn't really understand it because mm-hmm. he doesn't, he doesn't deal with it. Um, but he's open to understanding it. He's trying to understand it. Um, and he grants me the latitude <clears throat> that I need um, when I have hours or days or at times weeks like that. You know, mm-hmm. like, I know, I know that I'm in a safe space and that I'm allowed to feel that way and that, and that he's going to help me, you know, maneuver my way through that. You know, and I think he's a great example of that. Amy, my girlfriend, has been incredible that way and just in just helping me learn to navigate what can be kind of messy waters up here sometimes and having somebody to lean on, you know, on those mornings before they start, you know, when it's like when it's 445 and I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, to have her in those moments, you know, to have her in the middle of it, in the throes of it or to have her in the wake of it when it's over to just like let me pass out at. 6 p.m. because that took everything uh to just do the radio show on that given morning you know just those people around you that 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 again is just a a case of it taking a village i Mm -hmm. think Mm -hmm. we kind of talked about um earlier about um you being open with your followers and your audience about your challenges and like you said people turn to the radio to kind of make them smile um make their day make them happy a little bit um but 
it's also important to kind of be real about life and not just show kind of your highlight reel and and show like what is really going on. Do you ever share much of that on the radio or is it difficult to define kind of that boundary about how much you share with people? Uh, I try to just like sprinkle it in just like organically. Like I don't, yeah. I don't try to like force it too much. Like let's find a way to talk about my depression today. I don't, I don't really like take that attack to it, but I do think like if I'm feeling it, like, and it, it feels like the right time to like mention it, I'm like open to bringing it up, you know, or, or my therapist told me a couple weeks ago, she's like, I think you're good for a while. I'm like, what a sentence, like good for now. See you soon. <laughs> but I was like, that's such a W like that. That's a win Wednesday. And yeah. I remember like bringing it up on the radio the next day, just going like, Hey, you know, give it up for therapy. Give it, give me a hell yeah for therapy. I think is how I put it in, in our hell yes. And I was like, you know, I landed myself back in therapy and now I'm out again. And if you are listening right now and you're anywhere in your therapy journey, thinking about going to it, going to it regularly, recently removed from it, a hell yeah to you too. Like you're like me. And it's kind of back to that relatability I talked about where it was such a light bulb moment with my dad. I try to hearken to that a little bit too. Um, and just be transparent on the radio about it too. And not just, not just try to be cool, funny radio guy. Um, to just be a little more raw and a little more authentic. Cause I, I know what it meant to me when, when my dad did that for me, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I just, I know what, what that can mean. And it's, it's true for males and females, but I know, especially with my gender, unfortunately, like we're still really bad at talking about it. Like we're getting better, but we're still pretty bad at it. We'll willingly go out for beers and talk about, you know, with, with great pride. Uh, we'll talk about how we, we wrecked our, our knee playing recreational hockey at 11 o'clock on a, on a Monday night. And we'll, we'll boast about it. We're like, Oh yeah, I really, really screwed my leg up. But you can't bring up in a, in a group of guys that, that your head's been spinning and that you've had a bad week mentally. Yeah. You, you just, we're still not there by and large. Um, and I, and I just think the, the more we talk about it, um, even on the days when it makes me scared to talk about it or I feel weird talking about it, I just, I know the more, not only I, but like we keep talking, this is just going to become more normal. You know, and, and it's going to make it easier for for all of us, you know, by by committee. It's just it's going to get easier. So it's an important thing to talk about. Is it the most fun topic? Fuck no. No, it's it's so unfun. And it like it doesn't make you sound cool or funny, which is like what a lot of people are going for on the radio. But back to like, you know, talking about a platform and, and using it for good. Like I just at this point in the journey now, um, and maybe this is just a product of having talked about it for so long. I wouldn't know how not to, mm-hmm. you know, like it just, it's, it's become yeah. a part of not only what, what I do, but, but what we do. And that's, you know, us as a show, um, we just, we just try to be really, really honest about it and, and just keep those conversations going. Cause I think we're starting to realize and grasp how important they are. I love that. That is actually something I, I did want to bring up with you. Cause I think it's so important to talk about and you don't hear many um, men talking about mental health at all. And so for you, when you're showing your authentic self to your audience or your followers, um, part of that is being vulnerable and, and sharing your emotions as a man. And there is such a huge stigma around showing that side of yourself and being portrayed as like weak or less manly or however you want to put it. Uh, have, has, have you experienced much judgment or or like assumptions about you around that yeah yeah totally that's that's a very real thing 
Um, I think I'm fortunate that back to that support system and that, and that network, I've, like, I've learned to not, like, I've just learned to take it with, with a few grains of salt, right? When, when, when someone will come at you on a topic like that, which is like yeah. the definition of a pot shot. Like, it's just, it's such a cheap shot to take a swing at somebody's mental health, but I can take it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, it, you're, you're going to come up against people like that that just have a very close-minded view of the whole thing. You know, people that are just going to tell you to yeah. cheer up. I would never look at, you know, back to the, the busted knee thing. Like, I would never look at somebody that has blown their knee out or somebody that has um, an ulcer in their stomach or somebody that has any physical affliction. You would never look at them and go, well, why don't you just cut it out? I see your arm's broken. Why don't you just start using it? Like, it's, it's yeah. so lazy. And you're like, God, man, like, why, why don't we treat the brain like we do every other part of the body? But then you just also understand it's just coming from a place of, of people not understanding or, or insecurity or all of the above. Like, those, those people who are saying stuff like that um, and who are slowing down the progress we're all trying to make and getting better at talking about this. Like, you know, if, if you're the one that's, that's slowing that up, it's, it's probably born out of either your own issues or just a lack of understanding. So... At that point, like those of us that are being vocal, what choice do we have to just get louder about it? Yeah. Because, you know, the more you realize it's a real thing for us, um, hopefully the more you understand it or the more we can make it normal and part of everyday conversation, maybe all of a sudden, like, you're not as shy about your shit anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's just, it's, it's like, it's the hardest thing to do when someone tells you to you know, just kind of shut up and dribble a little bit on a topic like that. It's like, it's, it's a really hard thing to just get louder when, when someone's telling you to shut up like that. Um, but it's like the most important time to, to just keep the conversation going. You're like, no, we're, we're not going to stop. We're making headway. Mm -hmm. You know, look at where we were 10 years ago versus where we are now. Yeah. You know, like, look at how more prone guys are. Sure, like, guys are, are bringing it up in groups of 20 dudes um, in the dressing room after beer league hockey on a Monday night. Sure, like, we're probably not there yet. But we are getting to the point now where you can – you know, at least I can like call up a, a bunch of different buddies, a bunch of different dudes and just go like, Hey man, can, can we get a beer or a coffee? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if I shouldn't be drinking at the time, like, can we just get together so I can talk about it? Because it makes me feel better to just say it out loud to somebody else Yeah. and, and hopefully find some common ground. Well, and I find even doing this podcast, talking about your own struggles helps you understand them even more. Like you don't have to be going through a therapy session or anything, but just talking about it and telling somebody like how you're feeling or, or kind of explaining what that means for you. It helps me at least understand even more what I'm going through and what kind of helps me through that too. It really is like strength in numbers on a front like yeah. that, you know, yeah. like cliche, cliche as that is like the minute you start to realize like, Oh, we're, we're not only kind of all in this together, but weirdly, yeah. you know, we're all dealing with, with a lot of, of, of very similar grapples. Weirdly, it gets like a little bit easier. I think the pandemic was like kind of illuminating for that, you know, like, yeah. like all of a sudden, like, we were all in, in more similar circumstances that we were mm -hmm. all in just kind of locked inside. And for a lot of us, like it meant a lot of our, our coping mechanisms, good and bad, yeah. weren't available to us. And we all not only had to have a harder look at our, our mental health and, and our struggles like individually, but it also like, it, it, I don't know. I, I just, I noticed it more in like in my friends and my family, yeah. you know, it just, you were like, wow, we, we can't hide from it now. It's, it's a whole lot harder to hide from when, the entire world has been forced to run inside. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I saw a post, I think it was 
today, maybe yesterday, I don't know, um, about taking care of yourself. Like when you're sick, physically sick, um, like you have COVID or something, you take that time, couple days to rest and, and recharge and get better. But for some reason, there's such a stigma around if you're having a bad mental health day or a mental health week, there's such a stigma about taking a day or two off to yourself to kind of make yourself feel better, which shouldn't really be all that different from taking care of your physical health, but it is for some reason. But I think we're getting, we're getting so much better. It's like, it's, it's so important to just give the brain like some space to breathe a little bit, you know, like, like you're right. Like just, just taking what you need. Um, and back to like having a great supporting cast, like, having people around you that will encourage you to do that. Don't, yeah. They won't call you selfish, you know, or, or you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. people that are like, hey, if if that's what you need to right your mental ship, yeah. Yeah. who might I hold you back from that? Well, why, exactly. why, would I, why would I tell you you can't do that thing? Like, go go do what you need to to keep yourself in a good space. That's, like, the best thing for you and for, the you know, the people that love you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I say that a lot. Um, taking care of yourself first is the only way to be your best self for everyone else. And I think that's a hard concept for a lot of people to, to kind of grasp. Well, like, cause we're taught like from, it was actually my, it was my boss that, that, that told me this a, a couple of years ago and it was, I, I found it like so profound and, and I found it so wise. He had told me, he was like, you know, selfish doesn't have to be a bad thing. Yeah. We're taught like, like right out the gate. Don't be selfish. You share, that's right? True. It starts on the playground. It starts at daycare, right? Like, like selfish is bad. You do not want to be selfish. But the reality is, is like to an extent, like, like nobody wants to be fully self-absorbed and a selfish asshole, yeah. but like to, <laughs> to an extent, like, you know, taking care of yourself and being selfish and making sure that you are taking care of you. Yeah. It's like a really important thing. We, we hear selfish and we think bad, but like selfish can be a good thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes Sometimes you got to like shut off your phone for a bit, ignore everybody and just take care of you. That's a real thing. That is a real thing. Yeah. How has COVID affected your mental health? Like I know it goes, it goes both ways. Like some people it's been amazing to just focus on themselves and, and figure out what their coping mechanisms are and stuff like that. But a lot of people, it has just triggered their anxiety like crazy um how has that affected you i think at first it was just it was just too much it was too much free time like that whole expression Mm -hmm. about like idle hands doing the devil's work uh, i felt like i because before i could just like busy myself that was like one thing i did to kind of cope was just like Mm -hmm. like stay busy stay moving stay whatever and then all of a sudden like you you really couldn't do anything and it was like just a lot of time to sit still and a lot of time for your brain to overthink shit so that was like kind of like my initial grapple with it um, I think I'd be lying if I said it was all bad though. Like, you know, it's, it's been a really great reset in a lot of regards, like just on, on a few different fronts. I got super into yoga um, and just like really kind of like even further prioritized like, like mental and physical health. So I think it gave me a lot of time to focus on that once I just learned to kind of reach channel. It's like before you were directing it all here and then this stuff was all closed. You're like, okay, we'll just, we'll do this. Um, so I think it, it was good that way. Um, weirdly, like getting back out there um, has made me like a little bit anxious. I, I was surprised at how quickly I was almost like rewired to like, I'm a pretty, pretty social animal, even if social situations have historically maybe 
anxious at times yeah. for various reasons, but pretty social dude. Um, sometimes by choice, sometimes just by occupation. And so when you're social for like a prolonged period of time and then, and then you're not for, you know, as far as like that scaling goes for, for not that long, you're, you're anti-social getting back out there. I found that like very overwhelming. Like the mm-hmm. first, the first couple of times I wound up in a bar with a lot of people, I was like, Oh, this is a lot. How do we ever do this before? This yeah. is crazy. My head is spinning. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's interesting. I mean, it's like anything. It's like, it's like any change to the environment, you know, like, like I said earlier, that that's, that's like one of my just general grapples is like, mm-hmm. if it doesn't look like what I planned it to look like, I have a hard time with it. And, uh, well, that was the entire year 2020 and most of 2021. Every time I've tried to lay plans, the universe is like, Nope, yeah, no, that's going to look way different than you thought. And, uh, it's just been like learning to ride that wave, you know, and like weirdly learning to be okay with that and just steer into the uncertainty as, as much as you possibly can. Cause it's like, if, if you're a prepper or a planner, or, you know, or an overthinker, this whole thing where like you have no control over anything, uh, has the tendency to be nerve wracking for sure. Yeah. As scary as it is, I think it's a good thing. It's good for us to kind of learn how to adapt to change. Um, but it is, yeah, super nerve wracking. Like, why can't I control this thing? I love controlling shit. Let me control. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. I have just a couple more questions for you. Um, Looking back over your whole journey, is there any advice that you would give your younger self or any advice that you wish that you would have received when you were younger or kind of first starting out in your in your mental health journey? I think I learned so much like I'm so like hand on the stove learn like I just I gotta I gotta yeah I gotta experience it to learn it I'm that kind of learner I can't be told a lot of the time like I, I gotta I gotta find out so I don't know that I would you know, change much about the experience or, or wish any different for myself. Um, and I don't think I would go back and like tell myself to do it a different way because I would just have to learn the lesson later in life. And the yeah. older you get, the shittier some of those lessons are to learn. Um, so I'm, I'm glad I learned them when I did, even if it was painful and difficult and arduous to, to learn those lessons. Um, I think the one thing I would like tell myself if I could go back is, is I would just, I would just encourage myself that it's normal. You know, it's like you're, you're going to come to realize that not only is this your normal, but that like back to the secret society thing, like you're actually surrounded by people whose normal, you know, includes a grapple of the brain. You know, if I, if I could just preach normality to myself, I would have loved to get that snowball rolling a little bit more because I feel so much less weird about, about all of these topics we've just discussed now as a 33 year old man, mm-hmm. you know, at, at roll it back 10 years when I first moved to Cal- first moved to Calgary, like early twenties. Like, man, like I just, it was crazy. It just like, I, I don't know. I, I just thought I was so abnormal and go back, man, take it even further back than that. Like take it back to, you know, changing schools in the seventh grade, full circle, I guess. Like I, I thought it was so abnormal. Everybody, everything I was feeling then, you know, I, I thought it was so weird to feel so, so sad or, or to want to withdraw so badly. Um, I thought it was so weird to be thinking that you might not want to live anymore. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, like I remember like the first time I got social anxiety, it was like, it was so weird to walk into a room and just feel your, your heart, like expand your chest. It all felt weird. And in hindsight, none of it was, was it hard? Yeah. But, but it actually wasn't that weird because it not only became my normal and I, and I just learned to deal with it, but as it turns out, there's a lot of us we're out there 
you know, yeah. and like, and we're, and we're, we're finding a way to deal with it. And, and I just, I wish I would have known that sooner because there's such solace you can take in that. Like, it's just like, like the analogy with my dad, again, it just, it gets less scary when you hear someone else say it. And the more normal we can treat this whole thing, the better. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that. I think it would be huge if they started teaching this stuff in school. So kids, like starting at a young age, we're kind of aware of what these things are and what mental health is. I think that would be a game changer. Yeah, that toolbox. I overuse my analogies, (laughs) have you noticed? Um, But it's like, you know, if you'd known then what you know now, you know, or if we could start filling that toolbox up way earlier in life so that like, kids are more armed for it. And then when things start getting really turbulent, you know, as you grow older, like you just, you've got all these coping mechanisms. You, you learn to call it what it is. You learn that it doesn't, doesn't make you a loser. It just means you got some work to do. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. I have one last question for you that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast. Okay. Um, is there a stigma or a misconception surrounding mental health that bothers you the most or that you hear most often, but isn't true? I got, I got two, I think, um, you know, one that always, one that always bummed me out and still bums me out a bit is, is people look at, um, at people who who have lost their lives, um, to mental illness, they call them cowards. And there's this, there's this narrative that, that if you happen to end up losing, um, losing the fight, um, we lose sight of like the, the battles that were won along the way, if that makes sense. Like it it just, it derails everything about somebody just because they couldn't keep going. And I, and I, I think that's very unfair. Um, just cause I know how, how hard it can be, not just for mm-hmm. myself, but for others. And it just yeah. it cheapens that it discounts that. And it, and it, you know, how sometimes we paint people as, as someone who, who failed or, or lost the fight. I, I just, I think that's a little bit of an unfair narrative. And if we could start talking about suicide differently at some point, that would be great. Cause we, we, we I still hear it on, I got a bell. Let's talk to you or something like that. Those people are out there that you know. You talk about somebody dealing with suicide or, or losing their losing their fight with with suicidal thought, and you'll see you'll see messages and you'll get phone calls from people who who will say things like "coward," um, and that just that just isn't fair. That that is that is so unbelievably unfair to anyone who deals with that. Um, you know whether they're still with us or not. So that would be one. And I, and I guess like just in general, just you know, this misconception that you're soft if you talk about it. I I would argue. To the contrary, like, like your heart is fuck. Pardon that French. If you're willing to talk about this, you really are. And I don't say that to like pat myself on the back or to pat you on the back. I just mean like, if anybody's willing to come at this thing and, and speak about it impassionedly and, and just like, look it in the eye and go, you're here, but, but, but I'm still here too. I think that's like, I, I, that's like the, one of the toughest things someone can do. And I admire the hell out of anyone who does it. And I just, I, I hate this narrative so much that if, if you talk about your feelings and, and, and you're bringing your shit to the forefront um, and if, and if you're dealing with, with, with afflictions um, on a day-to-day basis, and sometimes it, it causes you to not show up as the best version of yourself, that you're somehow soft or that you're somehow not on the level of, of the rest of them. I, I don't agree with that. And the quicker we can dispel that, the better. And I think we're doing a really good job of that. I do. I don't, I don't say that, you know, without noting that we've gotten so much better on that front and those narratives are starting to be dispelled and people are starting to realize, you know, where, where all of us are at with this. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are both huge. It takes so much more 
strength and courage to talk about it than it does to not talk about it, I guess. But it, get, like, it gets so much easier once you do. You know, like that, oh, that, yeah. that, that to me is still like the inherent, like, cool, like coolest thing about it is, is just that like, yeah, once you start that conversation, like the, the next one is so much easier. And yeah. the next one and the next one it's that it's that snowball you gain that momentum and then all of a sudden it's just it's not a scary thing to talk about anymore you can just you can speak about it very candidly just like you would a bad knee from hockey well yeah exactly like conversations like this i would never have had even a couple of years ago like there's no way and, and to be honest like like there wouldn't have been an audience for it 10 years ago True. um and, and it's like, it's so cool to see not only you having the conversation, um, you know, me having it with you, but, but just that there's an appetite for it that like yeah. someone wants to hear that. Like, that's so cool too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree completely. Yeah. Well, that is all the questions that I had for you. Um, was there anything that you wanted to bring up that we didn't get to talk about at all? No, I don't think so. Just, just like a sincere thank you. Um, like not, not just thank you for having me, but thank you for for having a podcast like this and, and for having, you know, a forum and a platform for it, because um, maybe you realize that maybe you don't, this, this is very, very important what you're doing. Um, and, you know, and for anybody listening to it, that, that is also having very candid, frank conversations about what's going on inside of their head um, or, or who is willing to be a sounding board for others, you know, who, who navigate some troubled waters between their ears. Like, just a, just a real tip of the cap to everybody involved because like we're getting better at this and it's, it's really, really encouraging to just see where it's gone and to think about where it could go. I, I think it's so unbelievably cool. The conversations like these exist. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that so much. I agree. Um, yeah, I think this is huge. And I think this was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me and agreeing to come on and talk to a complete yeah. stranger. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for sharing so much about you and about your life and that's great if people have more questions for you or want to reach out um are you open to that and yeah. what is the best way for people to do that listen to my radio show every day sorry no that was that was just a plug i had to get in um no uh, uh jd from cj jd uh from cjay on uh, on instagram and twitter f facebook facebook's the worst that's actually, that's a mental health hack that everybody should, should take up. Delete Facebook. Facebook just causes problems. That's it. Um, but yeah, yeah. Twitter, Instagram um, is probably the best way. And absolutely more than game to, to talk about it at any point in time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to reach out at any time. You can contact me on Instagram and Facebook at StompTheStigmaYYC. And you can email me at StompTheStigmaYYC at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. And if you or someone you know would like to come on, I would love to have you. Share your story, speak your truth, and together we can stomp the stigma.